1: You are listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com Welcome back to private parts unknown a podcast about love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak, and I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today. He is a friend of mine, and his name is Paul Ruston, but as an artist, he is a one-name wonder who just goes by Ruston. In early 2021, shortly after I started my OnlyFans, we started doing body paint collabs together. We were actually delayed about six months due to the motorcycle accident, he mentions in the interview, but we now have five under our belts. And I can tell you, Rustan is so cool and chill, and I've never been uncomfortable being naked around him. And a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the interview, we've sort of discussed during our work sessions together. And I knew that I had to have him on the show because he's got an interesting philosophy on separating nudity from sex. Plus, he shares how he became a body painter in the first place, what his wife and kids think about it, and how he used his body painting As a launchpad to become an NFT creator and a popular guy in Decentraland, this episode has it all. Rustan is the best, and it's just a super fun chat. So let's get into it.
2: Hi, my name is Paul Rustan. I'm a body painter. I paint on people, and then I photograph them. I'm from the South Bay near Los Angeles, California.
1: Perfect. Okay, Rustan, I'm so excited to finally do this. We've done... A bunch of body painting collabs but this is our first podcast collab so welcome to private parts unknown
2: thank you for having me (laughs)
1: excited
2: excited to finally be part of this
1: yeah so i guess let's start at the beginning because and i feel like i've heard this story maybe when we've been working together but let's start at the beginning of your body painting and how you got into it
2: Well, luckily, I like being authentic, you know, and because I got into a motorcycle accident like a little over a year and a half ago and had a severe concussion, my short-term memory sucks, so I don't remember what we talked about. So this will be like the (laughs) first time I'm having this conversation with you, (laughs) which is great.
1: Actually, first, before we get into it, how has that been going? Have you noticed any improvements?
2: Well, there was a point where it seemed like it was getting better, but it was really bad. Like I was... It was like Twilight Zone for me. I was forgetting things that I couldn't believe, and then maybe like a year later, one day it just like clicked on, and I felt like, hey, I'm I, my brain feels a little bit better. But um, just like the last two months, I've I've been kind of forgetful again. But maybe because I'm just always super busy, so I don't uh-huh. know. It's almost like it's almost like I empty the trash of the day before, and then it's like, what am I doing today? What's tomorrow? You know but I think that that's also part of old age. I'm an old guy now. so
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like hard to tell, right? Because I'm yeah. forgetful too, and I yeah. didn't have a brain injury.
2: And I've just accepted it. Like the good thing is like you forget bad things too, so you don't mm-hmm. get sad. Or if you're sad, you kind of get over it quickly, mm-hmm. you know, which is nice. That's a really nice luxury.
1: Did you used to hang on to stuff?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a overanalyzer, you know, I... I think about things too much. So I might get hung up on something for like months, years, Mm -hmm. potentially. Now it's like something bad might only last me a day.
1: Oh, well, that is a silver lining. Yeah. Okay. So the last time we were just saying, last time we saw each other was like December for maybe our third or fourth body paint collab. But how did you first get into it?
2: I've always been an illustrator since as early as I can remember. I love drawing cartoons and comics and people. I like drawing people. And I like drawing naked people. And I was uh, in college, I became a caricature artist. Someone showed me um, his collection of work. Alex Ayala, I'll just name drop my my favorite people on earth. He showed me his collection of caricatures from his summer. And I was just like in love with it. I was like, I want to do that. I want to draw caricatures. I didn't realize I could do that. I want to do that. So I did that, learned how to airbrush there. And then I moved to the East Coast and became a t-shirt airbrush artist on my own and just started airbrushing t-shirts, which is where I really honed my skills as an airbrush artist. And then I was also doing freelance illustration for an adult magazine, painting pictures, drawing and illustrating pictures of naked people for for articles in this magazine in Boston. I was airbrushing shirts at Official Airbrush. Again, got to drop the names, D'Angelo and Orlando and Emery. That's where it all kind of started, and so I was airbrushing editorial illustrations for an adult magazine called Boink in Boston, oh, which I was love that. which was a magazine <laughs> that was geared towards everybody, and it was about educating, and so it had gay, straight, male, female, whatever you could think of, and it had cool uh, nonfiction articles and fiction articles, and so I was doing all the illustration for that magazine, and one day I was just like, hey, I can paint. A model for a photo spread in the magazine and I kind of presented it like I knew what I was talking about like I'd done it before and I'd never even tried it.
1: How did you get the idea?
2: Well one of one of my friends Mario Seja, in Chicago he was a caricature artist with me he was a body painter in Chicago and that was kind of similar like he showed me his work just like caricatures with Alex Ayala and I was like oh damn I want to do that that's cool. I remember when I was like 12 years old seeing The picture of Demi Moore painted by Joanne Gare on the cover of Vanity Fair, photographed Uh. by Annie Leibovitz. I saw that in the supermarket when I was 12, and I was like, this is the coolest shit ever. I'm standing here 12 years old, and there's a naked Demi Moore in the aisle, (laughs) covered in paint, and it looks so real. She was wearing like a business suit, painted business suit, and it blew my mind. And I legitimately, I think then, until Mario Seja showed me his work, I didn't realize that it was possible, you know? And so, um, just randomly, and it was literally like a year or two after he showed me his work that it just popped into my head. Hey, I can, I think, you know what it was? The release party for the first issue of that magazine, there was body painting at the party and, and I saw it. I guess it was just sort of in my head a little bit. And so I did the first one. They actually had me do like a test run on the founder of the mag. And so I showed up and I brought a bottle of wine i was just nervous you know everybody was nervous and like i had some wine painted her up that's cute painted her up like two different ways and that was sort of my first time i actually after i had the, the dialogue with them i ran home and painted my wife three times and then sent them pictures of what i did on her i did all three in like two hours it wasn't full body it was just like partial and so that was the first then the second was the founder and the third was an actual piece of work in the magazine and i was hooked i was completely hooked i found what i'm meant to do
1: amazing okay so how many years ago was that
2: that was 2005. oh my god 17 years
1: 17 years okay so tell me about the craziest shit or The or the sweetest stuff. I'm sure you've seen a spectrum, right? From like, oh my god, kind of borderline sex parties, maybe celebrity things. I should like
2: write a diary. (laughs) Oh, I actually have a diary that I wrote as an ebook years ago that I should probably refer to. But, um, like early on, like for that magazine, we used to do uncensored parties. So, this magazine was created and founded by students at Boston University. Boink. And the university didn't like that. And so they would have these big parties at big venues releasing the magazine and they would almost always get shut down by the police oh. obviously the university sent the cops so after a while it became like kind of private like you you won't know the location until an hour before the party or you know like uh-huh. you have to like it's like fidelio is the secret password you know right <laughs> and so and it was kind of cool because then when when we started doing that you'd have all these other types of people show up that are more conservative, but want to unwind and show their, their riskier side. And, and they know they were safe, uh-huh. that they wouldn't be exposed. So you'd have like teachers or like
1: uh-huh.
2: politicians or whoever, you know. So it really turned into kind of like this weird Illuminati-esque kind of thing.
1: I know you're, you're giving me Eyes Wide Shut vibes. But... I know,
2: right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's close. I mean, there wasn't like crazy orgies happening everywhere, but there was a lot of naked people. You know uh-huh. and it was fun everyone was really just having a good time but um there's this one time at one of the parties there was this guy this is the gro- one of the grossest things that's probably ever happened in my life he was just this gross dude kind of a bro dude and he he was like my wife was there i was busy painting guests they would have me on board painting the guests at the parties Mm-hmm. And so I was, they paid me so the, so the guests would get it for free, which was cool. You know, just like a cool feature mm-hmm. of the event. I'm painting somebody and he starts like hitting on my wife and she politely turns him down. And he, he's like, you know, embarrassed by that and just doesn't respond in the best way. Starts like questioning her, you know, whatever. But she handled that fine her, by herself. And then he rolls up next in my line with his girl, with some girl that he brought. And I ask her, what would you like me to paint on you? And she says, I don't know, whatever he wants. He looks at me and he's like, paint my name on her tits. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, gross, gross. And I looked at her, I was like, is that what you want? And she's like, whatever he wants. And I was like, okay. So that was like one of the, that was like one of the grossest things I ever painted, ever. (laughs) But then at the same time, in the same night, different couple, I'm in the middle of painting somebody. And this guy comes up to me and whispers in my ear. And he's like, hey, can you do anything in your power to convince my wife to get painted? And I was like, well, I'll try. I mean, I'm not like a magician, but I'll see what I could do. And he confides in me that she had survived breast cancer. And she's extremely self-conscious about her breasts. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I'll do what I... I'll try. Uh, I can't force anybody to get naked or anything, but uh, I'll see what I could do. And so she sits in front of me and she's she's really beautiful, but she's really shy. You mm-hmm. could tell she's nervous and shy. And I'm pretty I think you know, you know that I'm pretty easygoing and yeah. relaxing and chill and and we just we I just start sliced so, so I paint her neck. I, I paint a little something on her neck. I think maybe a flower or something. I can't remember what it was. And I just start having a little conversation with her. And I try to get her more and more comfortable. And a couple dudes walk by and kind of compliment her breasts randomly because she had she had a big chest. And and so she was. You could tell that those compliments actually hit her in just the right way. Like they weren't done in like a gross, you know, like construction worker type of way, catcalling or anything. It was it was, (laughs) it was about as classy as you could make it, which was nice. I'm glad someone didn't ruin it by like you know, saying something stupid. So like I I gently encouraged her to take her top off and she was really nervous about it and she did. And then I quickly started painting and the crowd around me uh, was excited to see her and she was, you could see her starting to kind of wake up a little bit. And by the end of it, she was like, it was the most amazing thing. She was like a ray of sunshine The biggest, most beautiful smile ever, you know? And she was so happy to have her breasts out. And I just thought that was incredible. That was, like, one of my favorite experiences. On the same night, as one of my worst experiences.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it probably was super affirming and, like, made her, you know, feel like a woman again. Yeah. Have you had other kind of body positive experiences like that?
2: I mean... Yeah, for sure. I mean, one that comes to mind is I painted a 320-pound woman once.
1: Oh.
2: And that was hard. She she couldn't stand for 15 minutes, for more than 15 minutes at a uh-huh. time. So so I had to paint her standing and then seated and then visualize what her body would look like while it was standing, while she was seated. You know, because the, the skin contracts and stretches if you're standing or seated and and more and more so when you're 320 pounds, you know And so I did the best that I could and it came out fine. It was great But my favorite thing about that was she was like beyond comfortable in her body. She was so Happy and she was kind of like a prancing fairy, you know And it was beautiful. Like, I envy that. I wish I could be that comfortable in my own skin, you know? And um, that was another cool one, for sure, as far as body positivity goes.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe.
1: Yeah, if anybody was interested in kind of getting started, how would you send them down that path?
2: Well, I mean, over the years things have evolved a lot, and you know, the early the early step like it's about like finding someone who will let you paint them, you right. know, and then pretty quickly it, you get a few under your belt and you have this portfolio, and then pretty quickly people are start to want to get painted by you. Especially when I started, there was no social media; it was just model mayhem. So that was pretty much it. But now on social media, everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame and they want to get the likes and stuff. So now it's like, if you have kind of a good a good thing going, people want to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. uh, so now I, I get to be more selective and I, I go after people that, I, I'm pretty good at sort of identifying chemistry just by looking at their photos or if they're maybe too glamory. So I, I prefer models that are more comfortable and playful in their skin than like trying to look sexy. Mm -hmm. you know all the time because it's hard like one of my challenges is separating sex from nudity and not that I dislike sex or anything but uh, and I've done erotic body paintings but for the most part my work is just art on naked skin so I, I try to separate those things as much as I can unless the concept calls for it and so I look at the photos and most of the time models reach out to me But every once in a while, I'll just see someone that I I think is, oh, this person, I I know for a fact we would work together and I love Mm -hmm. what they do in their work. And so I want to combine my stuff on them. And so I'll reach out to them. And then sometimes, you know, a lot of people just reach out to me. And, but one thing I can say though, is when, when people reach out to me, like for some reason, I'll get a message like, will you paint me? And then I click over and the whole account is anonymous and it's all pictures of flowers. And it's like, you gotta like, Yeah. Show me what I'm working with. (laughs) You know? I am this
1: flower. Paint this daisy, bitch.
2: (laughs) I don't understand. I mean, obviously, right off the bat, that shows me okay, so you have zero experience. You're not professional. So, like, already that's kind of a major negative, you know? So, I, I definitely hope people can at least, right off the bat, like, save save me some time, save themselves some time by like sending a couple photos. It doesn't have to be naked or anything. And, you know, I can see what what I'm working with because that sometimes that inspires an idea, you know, and then I start a conversation and then, and then find out what's interesting to that person. And then I can apply something that's relevant to them.
1: So what do most of your models do? And I love the idea of separating sex from nudity, but do you find that you do wind up like working with a lot of people that are in the adult space just because they're like wanting to get painted?
2: It's definitely all over the place. I've painted people that have never been naked in front of anyone except their doctor. I've painted I've painted teachers privately, you know, and then I've painted OnlyFans uh-huh. strippers at at um, strip clubs, you know. And and honestly, my favorites are the strippers because they are beyond comfortable. And they're ready to like put on an act.
1: Yeah, and they know how to move their body.
2: Yeah, and they can play non-sexual wonderfully. Like they can become a character and like there's no sex attached to it, which I love. They can do everything. So I have to kind of coach them less, you know? And and then there's people that are, you know, professional figure models. It's the whole range really, but I can sort of you can sort of sense who's good based off of those things too, you know?
1: Uh Uh-huh. How many hours Does it take? And then how do you approach the designs? I feel like each time we've worked together, you've had kind of like you've been like, I've been thinking about the color pink or something. So (laughs) where do you get your ideas?
2: Yeah, I wish I could just focus on one style and just stick with that like some famous artists do, you know, you can recognize their style. But I just get bored so fast. And I I procrastinate a lot. I wait often till the very last second to come up with something. Sometimes 10 minutes before I even start painting and for me like the whole experience I just want it to be fun so if I'm Mm -hmm. not into it I don't really want to do it so sometimes I have to wait till the very last second and and like you said a lot of times I'm on a I'm on a turquoise and pink kick so I'm gonna I'm gonna Uh do a whole series as long as I'm on this kick you know and then other times I'll have a conversation with the model and like for you for example like we've done I don't even know how many times we painted out three or four times you know It takes on average three hours to paint somebody so in those three hours you develop a relationship you learn who Mm -hmm. they are a little bit and you find out what they're into and then maybe next time that can be applied to it because i do want it to be interesting to the person i'm painting i want it to celebrate them a little bit i don't want to just objectify them by painting some shit all over them that they don't care about Mm -hmm. um But that, yeah, it's all over the place. Sometimes I'll be driving down the street and I see this awesome location and I'm like, oh my God, I got to paint something there. I don't know what, but something. Let me think about it. And other times I'll see a person and just the way they look just inspires me. And like, I have to figure out what to paint on them or, or where to place them. So there's all sorts of factors. Like for you, the last one to me is my favorite.
1: The New Year's Eve?
2: New Year's Eve one. Yeah.
1: Interesting.
2: Because it sort of represents the sexy side a little bit and it's fun and the movements and the smile on your face. There's this sort of modeling, you know, and you got that modeling background. It's like this sort of modeling fun personality attached to it. You know, that I'm into that as far as connecting it to you.
1: Yeah, we've done a, like a fembot. Yeah. We did like a rainbow shark thing that you painted on me then we mm-hmm. did oh we've done at least four and then we went to the beach oh the beach and we did, yeah yeah that yeah. beach one was awesome <laughs> that might be my yeah, favorite that
2: was fun well that was fun that's always fun to go and yeah shoot naked people in public
1: <laughs> it was like a baywatch style swimsuit and we literally yeah. just went to the beach <laughs> and yeah and waited it's cool. for people to See, <laughs> yeah,
2: and it's cool because like we we went to the beach and we went to a a pool way atop Palos Verde. Oh yeah, and I, a beautiful, beautiful house with a beautiful pool, and it's like two different results. One feels like Baywatch, and the other one feels like a pretty awesome gal drinking a champagne or martini or something by the really nice pool. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just two different characters. You know. Yeah. But you can tell, like the cyberbot, like robots for me are easy. I don't know anything about you. Let's do a cool robot, but with like cool futuristic colors. Like that probably doesn't mean much to you at all. And then, and then we did the shark thing, which is a little bit more ex- experimentation exploration. And then we did the bikini, which is more about, you know, viral fun. And then, and then I was like, oh, let's do let's do party girl Courtney. Yeah. For New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> New Year's was coming, and I felt like you're probably going to go to a party, and this is what you should look like.
1: It was actually better <laughs> than my actual New Year's.
2: <laughs> I know. You should have just rocked it. <laughs>
1: uh, so we are going to do another collab coming up. Do you know what we're going to do?
2: I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Okay. That'll be
1: a surprise.
2: <laughs> but it'll be cool.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
1: 17 years, whatever, you've been doing this body paint events and stuff like that. And then with the NFT craze, you kind of rolled over that skill set to become like a big NFT creator. So tell me about that.
2: Yeah. So I've like for the last four or five years, I started diving hard into YouTube. And so I studied YouTube Intensively to understand it, you know, a little bit more, and and I like started like how to following. grow your
1: channel and stuff.
2: Kind of, I mean, it's just more like, all right, what what are things that I like, and what can I emulate in my own way to 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 make my stuff entertaining to other people, you know, not necessarily like reading blogs on how to do things right because I don't always believe those, mm-hmm. and I can confirm that a lot of those are bullshit anyways through my own experience. So I followed a ton of channels and was basic, I basically cut out TV and just started watching YouTube regularly. And one day I stumbled on some NFT video. I was always kind of interested in crypto. I started messing with it in like 2014. And, and this, this video had something to do with NFTs and art and crypto and art. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like I was always interested in crypto, but it was always like, okay, money, money. It's just about money and maybe poker, (laughs) (laughs) and then. uh, But now we got this video talking about crypto and art, and I was like, "Oh, what's this?" Piqued my interest, and I watched it, and I understood it immediately. Like I wasn't like one of those people. I don't get it. What's an NFT? Like, so you don't you own nothing? It's not even a material possession. Like it didn't. There was no confusion for me. For me, I, I saw it clearly, and I was like, "Oh shit." Yes, mm-hmm. I've been waiting for this my whole life. I can sell my body painting as an original piece of art, which I could never do because it, it's it gone after four hours. You know, it washes off in the shower. It's ephemeral. It's like, this is crazy. And then I don't have to print stuff out or frame it or store it or talk to galleries or give away a commission to a gallery. You know, I was like, this is just sounding better and better and better and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be for sure. So I dove in headfirst and just went crazy at it. And literally, it took like four or five months before I even made a sale. But the whole time, there was a point where, where I was like, I'm in this, like I believe uh-huh. it. Like, If I never make a sale, whatever, then my goal is to be the longest running NFT artist that never made a sale, you know? (laughs) But so I was in it and I was watching people make huge, crazy ass sales. This one like 17 year old did a doodle on like a napkin and sold it for like $17,000. And I was like, damn, Damn. if if that happened to me when I was 17, I don't know what I'd be doing (laughs) right now, you know?
1: (laughs) Retired.
2: And then there were other people that weren't making sales, but a lot of the friends I was making, they were doing all right. And I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs, knowing that, like, my stuff should sell. I feel like it should sell. Like, I'm not just a 17-year-old doodling on a napkin. Like, I've been doing this for 17 years. Like, everything makes sense. I'm proving that I'm a good long-term investment. But, you know, I was patient, and I kept exploring. And I even decided to collect nfts before i started selling them i always had this idea like if i sold if i sell an nft a part of that sale is going to go towards collecting somebody else and so i just put my money where my mouth is it's like fuck it i'm just i'm just going to start buying some nfts and so i did that and it actually taught me things that collectors are looking for oh you know like uh as far as pricing and additions and like what you would want to buy because i was buying what i want to buy Mm-hmm. what i would hang on my on my wall on my virtual nft frame screen you know
1: and you do have that in your studio you have yeah. this like nft screen and it rotates through your nfts
2: right right and so you know i amassed this really large collection built the following as a collector and at the same time started selling my work because i understood a better way to go about it was not to price it at a million dollars But to instead create like an addition of a hundred, for example, and price it at $3. Mm -hmm. Basically, I was collecting collectors and that sort of established my brand and established almost like a team base of super fans that we could all benefit off each other. And our motivations were all revolved around a secondary sale of, of their purchase because they buy it, then they flip it for 10 times what they paid. And then I get a cut of that. So everybody wins. So that's I figured that out and attacked it, and then developed this nice profit, and I had this nice chunk of crypto saved up, and I was invited to a metaverse show in Decentraland, and I was just in like yes man mode, accepting every everything. I was letting my body go wherever it told me, you know. Uh-huh. And so I jumped into Decentraland to this gallery thing. And at first I was like, this is weird. This is crazy. I was creating my avatar and like, I was kind of like impatient, but whatever, let's just do this. And so I created it. And again, like when the first gallery show popped up, my mind was instantly blown. It took me a little bit longer to understand than NFTs did. But once that clicked, I was just like, holy shit, this changes everything. Like I had one collector immediately asking me questions about a piece And I realized as I'm answering them that everyone in the space could read my answer. Versus like at a gallery show, someone asks me a question and then they go away and then I meet someone else and they ask me the same question. So you have to answer the same question 70 times over the course of a night, you know? And it gets boring and old. I only had to do it once. I was like, that's a huge plus. (laughs) And wait, people are, are at home and they're maybe drunk and they don't have to worry about a designated driver. Mm -hmm. And my artwork is on these virtual walls, relatively, like, 10-foot art prints with beautiful neon frames wrapped around it glowing. I was like, this would cost me, like, tens of thousands of dollars to produce an art show like this in real life. And here it is. cost me nothing. And people from all over the world are coming to see it. And they're buying, you know. So after that, I was all in. Maybe, like, three months later, I had these profits. And I was like, I'm going to buy land in the virtual world and so i bought land in the virtual world and created virtual wearables and sold a ton of virtual wearables and developed a fan base yeah (laughs) it just goes on and on it never ends
1: we have to do some definitions we have to bring people up to speed that might not know what all these things are so first of all define what is an nft and why do you think it's like good
2: An NFT is a non-fungible token. I hate that name. I don't know who came up with it. (laughs) Like, it doesn't help in any way, you know? It
1: doesn't. It really doesn't.
2: (laughs) But basically, the way I sort of relate it to a normie, which is a person who's not in this world, (laughs) is like, think about like buying a CD, right? That's what we all know as a material possession. And now think about how many CDs you own and how many CDs you actually use. Or do you just pay for a subscription or buy a, download an MP3 from the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. So There is no material position there. So like, just forget about material ownership because you're already doing it. You don't even see the guy who delivers your food at the door when you DoorDash. Right. You know, that's the thing of the past. It's the cloud. So NFTs are all virtual. They're assets that are attached to this crypto token. And the big value of it is you buy this token and it's yours. You own it. And you can flip it, you can sell it for more than you paid. That's the huge thing. And plus also whatever's attached to it is 100% authentic, verifiable, just by being on the blockchain. Whereas a Mona Lisa can be forged and has to be appraised and proven to be authentic. You don't have to worry about that with NFTs. So when it comes to selling art, it's just, it's easier all the way around.
1: And as an artist, you retain more of a stake in your work, don't you? Or you can?
2: It's uh, It's up to you. You can even you can sell commercial rights, you can keep them, you can state that all beforehand. Right now, the etiquette is you don't like the buyer doesn't have rights to use the image unless it's stated, Uh, but that doesn't mean you're protected. Like you'll have to go to court if you don't want that to happen. So I would always recommend people be careful of what they're willing to sell and always accept the possibility that somebody might try to profit off of it. But I personally don't even worry about that. Like when I started, you know, most of my money was made with prints. So I did worry about, okay, well, I don't wanna make an NFT of a print that already exists because that devalues the print for the people that bought before because now you have this person who owns a higher res version of this image and they can go and print it. So I just wouldn't print those things.
1: Let's define a couple other things. So the metaverse, I feel like people might know because of Zuckerberg (laughs) for better or worse, but can you kind of define that? And then like Decentraland, like what the hell? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. Decentraland looks like a video game that that we all may know from one way or another, whether it's Sims or Second Life or whatever. But it's really kind of like, I say it's like AOL chat. It's like a social chat with visuals attached to it. But also that it has crypto NFTs attached to it. So you have virtual wearables that your avatars can wear that you can buy and sell and flip and make money off of. You have virtual art that you could put in your virtual home if you own land and made a home. You know, it's it's just like a cool world that you can socialize and make money from. And it's true. Like when, when I bought my land, it was actually two or three weeks before Facebook Meta announced Meta, the name oh, change.
1: good timing. Right? And yeah.
2: And my name, my um land 10 x when it <laughs> happened. And so I was confronted with this. Holy shit. I have this thing that I could sell now for more money than I ever imagined, you know? And I'm not selling it.
1: <laughs> Are you happy you made that decision?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've made my expense back on the land with the use of my land. I have gallery shows and parties and I have a hot tub that people actually use, you know? And I I showcase DJs and music. And it's, like I said, it's like a it's like a cool social event, you know, and so... Uh, I'll have, like, at the most, I had something like 389 people on the land at once, which was the craziest party ever. Now it's now it averages like 50 50 people at once. Uh, It's slowed down a lot since the markets crashed. But, you know, I sit there and I'll have, like, the best time. I've made so many friends, so many people all over the world that are awesome and like-minded because we're all crazy enough to get into this crypto world. When it comes to, like, going to, like, a real life event or club or something, I'm like less interested because I got to get dressed and I got to drive and I got to sit in (laughs) LA traffic and I got to worry about driving home and all that BS. And all of a sudden, everything else is just not efficient.
1: But you have, I think you told me you have groupies that go to your hot tub. Yeah. (laughs) You have groupies in the metaverse.
2: So it's crazy. like, Like everything I built... I was like, this would be cool. I'm going to add this. This would be cool. And so I had this this house that came with the land. And so I didn't like it. Like it had these big windows and I got rid of the windows so that you can access it through the windows. It had a door before and the only way you could go in or out was through that door. And I was like, that's stupid. Like, why, why do you need windows? There's no rain. You know, nothing's going to get damaged. Nobody's going to steal my shit. So like, fuck windows. And then there was a rooftop and there was no access to it. So I added stairs to that. And then there was this little squared off section and I was like, this would be a cool place to put a hot tub, rooftop hot tub. And I didn't realize it, but apparently I was like the first person to put a hot tub in the metaverse in Decentraland <laughs> and people ate that shit up and, and it drew everybody. Everybody was, was wanting to come and chill in the, hot, in the virtual hot tub and watch the DJs and socialize. And it even inspired people to make bikini wearables and so then finally people can get a little bit naked and and wear bikinis in the hot tub and so obviously what surprisingly like you know I would think that like a majority of these female avatars were male but there's actually a lot of females using this and a group of them would come and hang out all the time And, and we became friends and then they went on to create just the most amazing brand DCL baby dolls and now I'm their groupie. <laughs>
1: ah. <laughs> I'm the groupie. <laughs> so when you say wearables, it's like Sim style. So it's like for your avatar to wear.
2: Right. And it's cool because you can you can create a wearable. You can make it really a huge addition. So anybody could get it for super cheap or you can make it really unique and expensive. And so like like I have a unique one that's only one of one. So I'm the only one in the whole game that has it. And then I have a multiple editions of 10 and then and then lots of editions of a thousand but it's cool you know like those bikinis are probably like an edition of a thousand maybe and so a lot of people have the bikinis now which is cool
1: that is cool
2: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help
1: So I've met your wife and she's like really chill and awesome and completely not threatened by any of this stuff, which I love. So can you give a little Cliff's Notes of like how you guys met and isn't that awesome to have a partner like that?
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we grew together. I met her when I was 19 in
1: 1998. <laughs> oh my God. That's so long ago. <laughs> I know
2: There's there's people that I painted That were not alive when I met her Like right. they weren't born yet You know, that's crazy That's crazy I'm just a creepy old man now <laughs> <laughs> No, but I remember like in 2002-ish Before I started doing body painting I wanted to do tattoos So I wanted to be an apprentice at a tattoos And I remember asking her How would you feel if I had to tattoo some girl's butt? And we talked about it and she was like, well, that would be part of your job, I guess. Right. So and really, it's like I was in that time when I asked that question, I was in that place that most of the world is. It's like a place of ignorance about being around nudity. Mm -hmm. The same thing is true with like drawing models and art class. You know, that first time you have to do it, it's like a weird world you're entering but then within like a minute or two and you start, it's like, whatever. You know, it's just right. a naked person. You know, it's not a big deal. Everybody, for whatever reason, has to attach sex to it, you know?
1: They're puritanical shit.
2: Yeah, whatever we were conditioned to believe. And so little by little, you know, um, you know, first I painted her. And then I painted the founder of the mag. And then I painted a model. And then I painted another model. And then another model. And another model. And then she was at the shows, the the release shows. And it was just like we got out of that world of ignorance and began to understand the way things really are i mean it'd be hilarious if i opened with first we bang then we paint
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ew. but that's you, just works. you probably wouldn't be so prolific yeah
2: <laughs> that's not to say that that doesn't happen i mean there's definitely creepy people out there and there's maybe that's their motivations you know and not to say that they're creepy like that's their motivations if if both parties are into that then whatever you know but um that's just not how I roll and and so she's been there and I I kind of miss before we had kids because she was usually on set with me kind of taking behind the scenes pictures and she takes great great photos you know and because she doesn't have that ignorance in her head she can take an objective photo and not have some weird motivation of like oh I'm gonna get this picture of this naked girl like, uh-huh. like some dude photographers might maybe, you know. I had this one gallery show in New England one night. It was my show, but I had to leave it early cause I had to go, I had a gig to paint at House of Blues. And this this one lady was really, really fascinated by my work. And so we were talking for like 45 minutes, which is a long time when you're having a show cause you, you have to give time to as many people as possible. Right. But she was just like beyond fascinated. And she seemed to really get it. Like, my motivations and everything. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but I have to leave now. I have to go paint in Boston. And she's like, oh, you better thank your wife. And I was like, what? Thank her for what? She's like, for letting you paint all these beautiful women. I was like, I'm going to Boston to paint a bunch of guys for for gay (laughs) night. For gay (laughs) night. And I love that gig. Like, those guys are awesome. (laughs) They're all bouncers. You know, I love Ah! it. But it's like, what does my wife have to do with that at all? So that's kind of like what, there's this weird disconnect between my two worlds, those two worlds, you know? And like, that was a bummer after having such a good conversation with her for her to to finish with that. But yeah,
1: no, it is kind of small minded, but in a way she's like voicing what a lot of people think. And in a way, I mean, she is really cool and chill that you know, every weekend or whatever you paint a naked chick. But yeah, that's not exactly...
2: It kind of lends itself though to like... Because in a way they're projecting their insecurities or whatever. And so it it lends itself to like... If you want to have a good relationship with someone, shouldn't you be nurturing them to grow and succeed? Not constrict them and hold them back, you know? And so that's all that my wife should really be praised for is... Her ability to be comfortable in herself and have faith in my um, loyalty. But know that you got to let this other human being do what they're meant to do in a way. Don't try to hold them back from that.
1: Totally. Well, that's how you last like over two decades. Yeah. Do your daughters get it?
2: Yeah, they've helped me paint. And that, that's, this has been kind of a struggle because they have to come up in a world, in a school... Where it's easy to find out about me, you uh-huh. know. And so their friends ask them, your dad paints on naked people? And so they have to navigate that taboo uh-huh. too now, which kind of sucks. And it's weird because a lot of the kids' moms love me and they love my work. And so they kind of bat their eyelashes at me a little bit, which is <sighs> weird. That's weird, you know. It's definitely better than New England response. New Englanders are a little bit rougher, but California California moms love it and uh <laughs> but uh but yeah my kids like I sat them on my lap asked the model hey do you mind if I let my daughter paint on you a little bit and so they'll be there they're, they're they've been around naked females and naked males they've seen them walking through the house and and they've helped me actually apply some paint on skin there's like there's one body painting I did where where I asked the model, if they could paint a flower on them, it was like all these flowers. And so they each painted a flower on the body too, you know? And so they, they see how it works and what I do. I don't hide it from them. You know, it's ridiculous to hide it.
1: That's cool. So what's next? More NFTs and metaverse?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been hustling hard doing so many things every week. I've learned how to do 3D animation and building and coding. And so I built a whole holy shit cove i built like a whole beachfront with a wave and you can ride the waves i'm the first person to surf a wave in the central land <laughs> and they created a big bonfire but i created this whole thing with the intent of bringing one of my friends who's this amazing singer kira bones kira lingman her nickname is kira bones and she she's uh, the leader of the hollow legs here in amosa beach i want to onboard her so the whole world can see her amazing voice and so I created this beachfront setting that she'll be able to sing over the campfire virtually for people all over the world to come join and watch. So that's happening Tuesday. And then I'm creating like a collectible NFT collection on Saturday. And then I'm painting you on Sunday.
1: <laughs> oh, busy. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been amazing. I can't wait for our next collab. And you got to fill the privates in on where they can find you online.
2: Um, easiest place is bodypainter.com. That's my website. And that has links to everything, all my socials and my NFTs. There's a whole category on NFTs. Everything is there. Um, youtube.com slash Roostan, twitter.com slash Roostan NFT. I have an Instagram, but I hardly ever use it anymore. Uh, instagram.com slash Roostan, but it's all on my website, bodypainter.com.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the pod and giving us this great lesson about how nudity and sex are not the same.
2: Well, they can be.
1: <laughs> they can be, yeah. but they don't have to be. They
2: don't have to be, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me, always. My pleasure. This is really fun. It's good to see you.
1: Good to see you, too. Virtually,
2: we're basically
1: <laughs>
2: in the metaverse, sort of.
1: <laughs> we are sort of in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Rustan. We had a freaking blast body painting a couple days ago and the video is already out. So check out the episode description for links to that and all of the other collabs we've done together. And if you want to see even more, you can subscribe to my OnlyFans. Just go to OnlyFans.com slash Coco Peep Show. If you didn't know, newsflash. Hoax is a bit of an exhibitionist, and that is where I post my nudes. <laughs> and if you want to stay in touch with me via my civilian account, I am at Courtney Kosak, K O C A K, on both Twitter and Instagram. And of course, make sure to follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. And You gotta make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. It is just privatepartsunknown.substack.com, but to make it super handy, the link is in the episode description. Shout out to Amy Rausch for the bomb ass theme music. For more info about Amy and her music, check out amyrausch.com. That's Amy, R-A-A-S-C-H.com. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda of Plastic Audio. Thank you, Mike. I love you. And after enjoying this content, could I ask you for a quick favor, please? Just go to ratethispodcast.com/slash private and give a five-star rating and review. It honestly helps other people find the show, and it's just soul food. It feels really good. So, again, that is ratethispodcast.com/slash private. Or if you're listening on Spotify, it is super easy. You just go to the upper left-hand corner of the Private Parts Unknown page, probably where you're listening right now. You click the star button and then you click all five stars. See? Easy peasy. Thank you so much. And until next time, I am wishing you lots of horniness and happiness and a blissful separation of nudity and sex. Bye.